At this point, you should be on the frame with a film strip title that says Oral Hygiene. Welcome to Oral Hygiene is the podcast where you talk about caught films, educational films, and interesting documentaries. I actually haven't been saying the third part for a while because I've been focusing on um, the caught and the educational, but but I got uh, an email and I was like, that's interesting. I've, um, I've seen this film before. We have the filmmaker today. The film is Frankenskies, getting us into the weird and wild world of chemtrails. And uh, it's, it's a double Matt today. Hi, hello, Matt Landman. Hello, thank you so much for having me on. It's really cool that you've made it out of the country and that you're all the way over in Japan. Um, I've, I've actually been overseas to get my EMF clothing line together. So I, I, I appreciate the Asian culture. So hello. Yeah, it's, it's kind of weird because um, I just as a kid, I guess I just had a I like Atlanta. It's a nice city, but I always felt a need to get out of Atlanta. Mm-hmm. So you know, once I was out of school, I like got a little farther out, started working out South Carolina, then Maine, then Canada. And then I just ended up in Japan and it has stuck. My roots are here. I don't know if I could like properly live in America anymore. I would. Yeah. If, when, when I do get back, it's going to be a big like Rip Van Winkle experience. I'm actually looking forward to that. Could be could be fun. Could be horrifying. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I had similar experience. I grew up in uh, D.C., uh, Washington, D.C., D.C. area. And I would imagine um, I had a similar experience as you. We're, so, we're almost the same age. And I ended up in Vancouver, Canada. I don't know if you were over on that side of Canada. But now I'm pretty far away in Ashland, Oregon. I mean, almost as far away as I can be and still be in the continental United States from where I originated. Yeah, I had a wild party weekend in Seattle once. But uh, <laughs> that's neither here nor there. Um, about your movie, I actually did see it a few years ago and uh, had a rewatch uh, for this, of course. But uh, so... I was glad to hear from you. And uh, could you give us sort of the TV guide summary of your film? Frankenskies, um, like Frankenstein, but Skies, is an 80-minute expose documentary um, on weather modification history. The historical chronological uh, timeline starts in 1922 and, and takes you to modern day. But by the time you get to the 50s, it's self-evident that the weather can and likely is engineered and controlled by the Air Force or whoever the powers that be. So the weather modification history aspect of it shows how that evolution came to be um, with military stock footage, taking their footage that they made and literally putting their foot feets in their mouths, like um, showing what they're capable of and what they're likely still doing. Um, and once we get to modern day, the aerosols that they spray from jets, it takes us to a new concept called geoengineering, which is saving us from global warming by spraying the skies with chemicals to dim the sun. And all of that gets wrapped up in this concept called chemtrails, which is aerosolized chemicals or metallics being sprayed from jets in the atmosphere for different purposes. Right? I, I guess. 
and I guess we'll take a little bit like the movie and uh, hit the history. Uh, in the 1920s, I, I guess what I'm thinking of is uh, San Diego experiments. Well, 1914 um, was San Diego. I'm not, not sure if there's footage of that. I don't know exactly when video camera uh, started really being prevalent, but I'm not sure if there's actually footage out there of Hatfield, Professor Hatfield, Charles Hatfield, 1914, San Diego. He built a tower. He was hired by the city of San Diego to try to make it rain. He said, yeah, I think I can do it. He built a tower like 35 feet tall and sprayed a chemical uh, haze into um, storms that were coming by and made the clouds empty. The clouds dumped so much rain, the deluge made the storms burst. And he was sued by the city of San Diego for the damages. That was 1914. He could make it rain. So when we're talking like, oh, it's a drought and oh, what are we going to do and forest fires and all this stuff? No one's ever saying, hey, we can make it rain. And that technology is over a century old, you know, and that's just then. The footage starts in the 1920s. 1922, I believe. Yeah, 1914, it's like you could have shot some film, but it would have been quite difficult. That's, you know, and I, I just recently, uh, I've been really interested in like early 20th century history recently. So I was reading a book about the creation of Hollywood and just how bound you were to filming. They got the freedom finally. And then sound came in and they had a few years where they had no freedom of film again. So uh, 1914, it would have been quite difficult to get like, you know, like on the ground footage. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Well, not to get not to get totally off subject, but I've been doing a little studying of Hollywood. And what's really fascinating is when we first got VHS tapes and the potential for mind control on a um, like global level, because people are sitting at home repeatedly watching something for the first time. You couldn't sit down and repeatedly watch something over and over and over until VHS came out. So seeing what came out first on VHS and how that could manipulate the society, essentially, it's kind of interesting. Cultural engineering, what have you, through that, you know. Yeah, I would, I'm not sure if it's even nefarious, but yeah, you know, Back to the Future and Ghostbusters are films that obviously have a major part on, you know, of my psyche, right? And in high school, um, maybe same for you because we're about the same age, but me and my, my friends and I, we would just speak in an endless series of like Simpson metaphors, like to an outsider, it wouldn't make any sense. So, you know, just, just on that base level, yeah, all of us really get affected by what we watch. Um, since I've been podcasting the past two years, I'm usually active watching now, which I, you know, obviously it's more work. I, I have the movie in the left side of my screen, the right, I'm like taking notes the whole time. So I, if you are worried about that sort of thing, I think that's a real good defense against it because you're always active watching. You're not just being, you know, hypnotized by the, by the television so much <laughs> well for sure nowadays if i'm watching anything i'm doing research it seems more than not and i did have a friend or two that we spoke in simpsons code it was pretty real back then for sure we would even jump and record things with the vhs and fast forward through the commercials and rewatch, you know the simpsons and have these things memorized folks it was real oh yeah i had what the the eight hour tape where I had done, the, you know, I, I actually edited the commercials myself, you know, watching it live, you know, in retrospect, it's like, wow, I wish I, well, not that I have my VHS and or watching them anyway, but, uh, <laughs> you know, like, I'm like, I should have left the commercials in there. That's, you know, it becomes fascinating 20 years later, uh, which you have do, that would be amazing. Yeah. yeah. You can go do that on YouTube. I, actually, uh, just, uh, while we're on the nostalgia trips, uh, a couple of things I really did like about your film, one nostalgia and one, one not is, um, 
this podcast, you know, looks usually looks at older educational films. So, you know, the evolving TVs were fantastic. <laughs> um, and just trying to think of, you know, like, like that technology and, and when it, when you chose to go to laptop was interesting. That was about, I, I guess it went to computers in about 1995 in the film or so. So. And it also went from black and white to color when color came out as well. Right. Right. Um, and then when you watch the film, uh, this is sometimes a little jarring when you put on a documentary, but I do think it's effective that the narration is pretty minimal. Um, it no was... narration. I hate narration. <laughs> I'm, yeah. a film, I'm a film major and a filmmaker and a film critic, and um, I, I never really liked documentaries, and I never wanted to make documentaries, and I, I hate usually, I mean, in Frankenstein's 2, I'm making a sequel, Frankenstein's 2, Climate Chains, and it's an easy way out to be like, hey, this is me, this is my story, look at me, go, I'm the hero, everybody look at me, but I can't really stand that kind of thing, and so there was no narration in Frankenstein's, and that is very unique for a documentary, it's hard to pull off, Documentaries are hard in and of itself because they're so dry, usually with information. I love Frankenstein's. You know, it's my movie. I suggest anyone sit down and watch the first 10, 15 minutes. When you get to JFK and then Lyndon B. Johnson, you think about, wow, like right after JFK died, Lyndon B. Johnson is like grinding his teeth when he says, when we control the weather, control the world. You know, he must have been onto something. You don't just say these things, right? It's, yeah. it's his, it's, all of it was history in the making. And if you can just watch the first little bit of Frankenstein's and see the, how the um, unravelings of the chronology, you can definitely realize that it's at least worth looking up all the time to see what could potentially be going on in the skies. Yeah, actually, I guess that's a good place. to. I, I want, wanted to throw in some of my personal experience. Um, so in, in terms of trails and things, I haven't, no, I'm talking about my skies in Nagano, of course, uh, since 2020, I've seen very few lines in the sky around here, which I guess that's good. Uh, before that, for about two or three years, yeah, I would find a chessboard in the sky like at least once a month. Because <laughs> uh, I remember talking to a coworker, this would have been about 2017, 2018. So in the office, he's sitting at a computer and there's a door like two meters away. And I'm like, I, I was saying something about, you know, trails in the sky or chemtrails. I knew the term already. He's like, ah, that's not a thing. I was like, just, just, just go look outside. And he like, wouldn't do it. He just had to move two meters, look up. That's all. I mean, it was like, you know, crystal, well, not crystal clear because there was lines that day, but you know, you could see the jets moving and making them, you know, it's like, well, I saw that that happened. And I, and I saw this several occasions in Japan, I'd say about 2015 to 2020. But since then, interestingly, not so much. I got a friend in Tokyo. He's, he's still seeing them. He, sometimes he'll just send me pictures from his phone. So, hey, look what I found today. Mm -hmm. So the people that don't want to look and won't even just look, you know, even though it's just going to take them a few seconds and a nod of their head, it's a cognitive dissonance. Some of those cognitive dissonance are so deep. It's like a brick wall. Nobody wants to have their... Um, essentially their values dismantled or potentially dismantled or, or even subjected to dismantling. And then also for the chemtrails, um, it, it's kind of a long uh, rabbit hole and a story in and of itself, but I believe that they're changing the way that they do things. So when we see chemtrails, usually we're like, oh yeah, it's that big line in the sky, but now 
there's actually the shorter trails and the medium trails and there's different stuff going on and they could just have like drones going over with shorter stuff going on. And you may not necessarily think that um, it's a chemtrail, but anything in the sky nowadays is a chemtrail, even a short one. So I'll explain in the sixties, especially it, the engines started to evolve. Okay. And become more efficient. And now you have Rolls Royce involved and general electric is pretty much being beat out by these Rolls-Royce, really sustainable, uh, closed loop. Um, they keep the engines very uh, maintained and for life, this Rolls-Royce engines are amazing. And they're like two tons of titanium steel. And what they are, are these internalized fans. They're like um, propellers, but, but even more efficient. And they create lift over wings by, by pushing air. There's no heat involved there's just a spinning fan okay so when you can start to understand that you start to realize that oh well their story of heat and humidity doesn't add up and all that sort of stuff and when and now i know it's it's rare when you see a plane with nothing coming out of it but that's now normal that's now a normal plane with no chemtrails so i don't know what your skies are what you're seeing sometimes or whatever what were you seeing normally but there's a lot of different things going on that I'm becoming more learned about and short, medium, long trails, they're precursor gases, there's different things are being mixed together. And I know that's kind of like deeper down the rabbit hole for people who are just even now like learning about the subject because there's so much to it, the who, what, why, where, when, how, and how can you wrap all this up and then convey it to your friends, family, and peers, you know, Frank guys the movies, how you do that, you know, you don't have to learn everything, but just to learn these little tidbits these high bypass turbofan jet engines. For those conspiracy theorists out there, there was um, 9-11 and the plane hit the Pentagon, but the engines, just the, the, the turbine, these two ton engines on both sides essentially disappeared. They didn't even break the glass where it would have supposedly hit the Pentagon. I don't know if you've done research on that one, but they're, um, they're just fans. They, they're, there's not like this blasting of, um, jet fuel like the engines were before the 60s when they're actually like pushing the jet from the back and then they were not very efficient and this and that so the high bypass turbofan is um basically a propeller and when you see the propeller it makes sense there's no heat or anything coming off of that and you never see the um con or the chemtrails and that's this like polarized argument that was created by the powers that be to confuse us the contrail and the chemtrail are actually nowadays the same thing they're just different chemicals barium or strontium or aluminum being mixed together and they'll prime the sky and then sometime after they prime the sky they'll come and do these long trails but sometimes they won't they'll just keep spraying slowly but surely these little lines what are the, do you see any of the little or medium lines no i was about to say if that's the case i got fooled a few days ago because um i i did see something with you know just coming out a little bit oh, i guess I, that actually would be a contrail you know because i was actually watching the film and prep for this uh, somewhere around there and i was like oh well that's i guess that would be a contrail but maybe not then so <laughs> so i don't i don't talk about it in the movie because i wasn't I, the movie came out in 2017 and at that stage in my evolution i didn't know this so i had to get really learned and actually just keep looking at the sky and see what was going on but there's a document called the tropospheric aerosol program it, the document is called tropospheric aerosol program department of energy so you can look it up tapdoe.pdf and it's this 99 page document from the department of energy and it's just before 9 11 in uh, june 2001 this program is launched 
and in it they refer to the short trails, the supposed contrails, as the precursor gases, and it started to make sense to me. These are primer planes. They're spraying chemicals that later get mixed. Sometimes you can see them side by side. It's like, oh, wow, why is one really short and one really long? They're mixing chemicals right in front of us. But yeah, the patents go back all the way to the 70s, and I started to really understand it more luckily in franken's guys i don't really like dig down and say this is a contrail this is a contrail you know um because that argument is is really polarizing and confusing in and of itself and that's actually kind of a side note if you if you want to learn about the whole thing and what's essential is that there's stuff being done in the sky it doesn't matter if you're right or wrong about big or long ones or anything like that like something's happening and then once you start to learn about that then you learn about this, like, well, actually, they're trying to normalize it to launch geoengineering. This is a thing, the dimming of the sky officially. There's a whole experiment going down with Bill Gates in Sweden this June in Karuna, Sweden. If Bill Gates successfully dims the sun with this experiment, then um, they supposedly will move forward to dim the sun for us to save us from global warming. And I don't know what you think about that, but there's so many dystopian you know, predictive programming, what have you. And I don't think that we need to act on global warming because I don't think that what we're being told is realistic when you learn about chemtrails and you learn about harp technology and the mixing of the chemicals and zapping them with land-based radio frequency microwaves and stuff. They're heating the atmosphere to near the temperature of the sun, not telling us, creating heat waves, creating fires, creating drought, not saying anything about making rain, and then saying, oh, global warming, we got to do something about this. We're going to spray aluminum in the sky and dim your sun. You're welcome. doesn't make any sense. If you know anything about a greenhouse effect, like the light that gets in won't be able to get out. And they'll actually make heating if they put aluminum in the sky. What if it comes down in us? We don't want to breathe that in, the plants and the soil. And there's so many things wrong with it. We were talking about the, uh, you know, what TV and movies do make us think so most of us are like oh mr burns tried that right in the simpsons <laughs> in a different and the, method, and the of matrix course, but... and the matrix too. yeah that's certainly... and i don't know if you've seen snowpiercer that's one to really look <laughs> up if you um have you seen the movie snowpiercer i i actually just put a podcast for that out last last tuesday so <laughs> i watched it within the past couple of weeks uh and so. it starts off with them acting on global warming to spray the skies with basically it looks like chemtrails and they do it so bad that an ice age ensues, right? Yeah, which uh, when we were doing that one, I also was thinking about, you know, way back in the 50s, Kurt Vonnegut writing about Ice Nine. So, you know, this same sort of concept all the way back there. So, um, I mean, to me, it seems like if, if we are leaders of industry, trying not to, you know, dump, not to pollute so much seems like the, the biggest thing to do. But that seems to be the thing that uh, they really don't want to do. <laughs> Uh, Japan, you know, again, Japan, uh, I think in the 70s, industry here was just like ridiculous. You know, there's lots of incidents of horrible pollution. So Japan has greatly cleaned up. Now, some of it is outsourcing their industry to like Thailand and things. So you give it to somebody else. That's not great. But uh, the, the country itself, other than having tons of power lines everywhere, you know, we don't have trash on the streets or things like that. Um, you know, I don't, I'm sure we're getting hit with some kind of pollution and we'll probably get to that a little too, but yeah, you know, just clean up, cleaning up your room. As I said, in a, my somewhat messy room is, is a good thing to do. <laughs> I couldn't agree more. So, um, 
back to uh, Frankie Kaiser and Damien the Sun, a lot of people don't know about the, even the concept of geoengineering and how that it evolved um, from basically the spraying of chemicals in the sky to that being an experimental thing. Like, how can we make it rain? How can we make it not rain? How can we make hurricanes? There's all these different projects. HAMP is the Hurricane Atmospheric Modification Project. Uh, carbon soot was administered to the outer eye layer of hurricanes to see what it would do. And they thought maybe they'd quell it and exacerbate it in a crazy monster hurricanes, which led to the creation of Hurricane Katrina and all these sort of things. I know that sounds like like craziness, but um, the government makes hurricanes and experiments on itself, on their people to... To what ends, you know, it's, it's, it's a crazy world. So these different things have evolved by experimenting in different ways on different storms and what have you. And on enemy populations, like we do weather warfare on Iran. We did, we did weather warfare on Vietnam, uh, flooded the Ho Chi Minh Trail. Uh, that's that's um, documented in the film. But the ongoing covert weather engineering on the people of Iran is something worth mentioning. And then now to, to normalize it and to tell everyone that we need geoengineering without even understanding it under 100%, like what does that even mean exactly? You know, the dimming of the sun. Yeah, that's how the, um, Mr. Burns, like you said, and um, like I just said, the matrix. And when people have these things as a reference point in their psyche from from a movie, right? There, it's it's predictive programming for a reason because people are engineered to that being the first time it's been um, put into their their consciousness. So when you bring it back up, they're like, "Well, it's not going to be as bad as the Matrix, right?" And I go, like, oh, "Yeah," or they'll laugh at you and be like, "Oh, you mean like the Matrix? Yeah, that's not going to happen because they have a reference point and every and we live in like a ridicule society, ridicule culture kind of thing where people can just dismantle your truth." through peer ridicule, which is designed through the, again, through the, the movies and the propaganda machines. It's pretty fascinating. And if you look at all the chemtrails, which are the lines in the sky, right? We, I mean, that debate about the, or the talk about the chemtrail contrail thing, it's not really that all that important, but it's interesting to, to put that in the consciousness because the polarization of it isn't even important. That was done to divide us, right? And to get everyone like, oh, no, it's just that. And, oh, we'll see atmospheric conditions and the barometric pressure. And, oh, how hot is the engine? And the engine's not hot at all. Let's get, let's get to the point. So anyways, the, um, <clears throat> the, the, um, the lines in the sky are implanted in uh, Disney movies, cartoons, video games, and even movies. It's just like regular Hollywood movies. And for years, and even I've been told that um, digitally, digitally remastered movies like Jaws now have um, grid skies and whatnot, or engineer, like somewhat uh, engineered skies, you know, like lines in the skies. Some sort of chemtrails are put in the movie to normalize it for people to think that it's okay or normal or whatever. I watched the movie, Spike Lee movie, uh, Do the Right Thing. Okay, the very end of Do the Right Thing, they're like looking off into the sunset or whatever, and it's just this crazy, like, 30 lines of chemtrails and that's the last scene and the power that is when you've gone to the movie theater or whatever it is like you've sat down and the whole time you've temporarily suspended your disbelief you know and like you're being really impressionable and you're implanted and programmed and all these things 
And at the very end, for them to drop chemtrails on it, there's the movie Ants. There's, I mean, I have a whole list of all the Pixar films. It's, it's pretty unreal. And I mean, Pixar is even something else. They, don't, they could make the skies nice and blue, but they drop these things in for the kids to make them think that this is totally normal, you know? Yeah, my friend that I said, was, he sent me the, excuse me, my friend in Tokyo who uh, sends me the photos sometimes, his last one actually was of his kid playing a video game. So <laughs> it's like, you know, my six, seven-year-old kid's playing a video game. Oh, look, this is weird. So he, he caught it there. <laughs> I, unfortunately, I don't know what he just took the picture. Well, it's probably in lots of games, but <laughs> I think it's embedded uh, in in like uh, purposely embedded in a lot of things to make it normalized for people to not think that there's anything to be seen there. And it's not always just engineering the weather or geoengineering. If you even um, if you get like halfway through the movie Frankenstein's. They, they document proof of experimenting on the city of St. Louis, just literally experimentation. They, they've, ex with the aerosol program, different things can be administered. And then when you learn about, it's, it's kind of like a dystopian rabbit hole when it starts to get all connected. But if you just look at aluminum, take a very grounded approach to aluminum. I've got a book called uh, Conversations with the Aluminum Atom by a PhD that talks about aluminum in your deodorant. Okay, aluminum, we should be detoxing aluminum. All right, there's different things, there's different ways to detox aluminum, but aluminum in general, we should not be exposing ourselves to it like we do. And then we have our cell phones, we put them in our bra, like aluminum in your de deodorant plus cell phone in your bra equals breast cancer. Like those are all the cases of that. If you can not have aluminum in your deodorant, not put your phone in your bra, you're not microwaving aluminum in your body and stuff like that so the, there's aluminum in the chemtrails right <clears throat> so if you can not get aluminum in your diet not get the aluminum from the chemtrails because you're detoxing it or sweating it out with like a sauna or chelating it or just you know mineralizing your body and being healthy or whatever then you're not you know getting a body with a, aluminum in it which you don't want that chemical in your body right like at least to alzheimer's at least to dementia it mixes with different chemicals like um, mercury. I've seen video of mercury and aluminum mixing, and it turns into something that grows uh, like one foot tall of just the, the two chemicals reacting. You don't want those two things interacting in your body, right? Mercury and aluminum. Nor do you want fluoride and aluminum. Fluoride and aluminum together mixing your, in your brain lead to dementia and stuff like that. And these are like these two prong kind of attack where it's a slow thing where these two chemicals come together. And so you have to learn about your health and how this impacts you. But then it, you can be empowered by it, by understanding it and learning and then, you know, growing above it and like just having a more healthy diet or whatever it is that you can do to rise above these things and, you know, educate yourself, you know, like educate yourself with what aluminum does and how to not have aluminum in your body because evidently there's too much aluminum in our environment. I guess intuition is always good to follow because I did this mostly out of being cheap and hopefully this doesn't gross anyone out, but I found that you don't actually need most of the toiletry products. <laughs> I, I think I probably haven't since 2014. I don't think I've used deodorant or shaving cream and uh, rarely, you know, I actually, the, you know what the dentist told me to, that you don't need to use toothpaste. You just need a brush. So I started doing that. And then I was like, Hey, wait, 
I don't really need deodorant either. So <laughs> yeah, you know, no, just... I don't, I don't use any of those things. And um, I highly recommend rinsing your mouth with coconut oil in the morning. It balances the uh, microorganisms in your mouth and it makes basically like the good bacteria win and the bad bacteria die. I've even had a cavity and I rinsed with coconut oil and cavity went away. Uh, I don't use hardly any toothpaste. Maybe I brush like with toothpaste, like, once a week or something like that. But yeah, there's different, and I don't, yeah, use shaving cream or anything like that. Um, and I don't use chemical, like uh, even shampoo and whatnot, because I, I've, I started to read the ingredients and read the things that are in different things. And I just adapted my, my body and my, my diet. You know, I think everything that we put in our body is important. But back to movies, what kind of, you know, what are your favorite kind of things? Who's your favorite director, if you could um, or actually, do you like beat Takeshi, Takeshi Kitano? You like that guy? He's yeah, really cool. yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen a few of his. Um, of course, in Japan, he's better known as a comedian, interestingly, because the ones that make in America are usually the more like hard boiled ones. So we think of him as kind of an action guy. But uh, mm-hmm. no, he's, he, hosted, he's a- he hosted that funny show. I know that. So he was kind of a comedian when he hosted that show, the obstacle course show or whatever. Right, right. But that actually is his main claim to fame in Japan. So the movie like, like, like stand up is he stand up? Yeah, yeah. The uh, I think it's a downtown the uh, comedy duo. I think it's a duo. I don't remember. One thing is, I mean, the last thing that one my Japanese is not good, but the last, even if it was, the last thing that tends to translate is comedy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I've even yeah. heard some like UK comedians where I'm like, I don't quite get it. There's a little bit of an accent thing going, a little bit of a um. You know, like a, like a, a small cultural disconnect. It's almost the same. You can get most of it, but stand-up comedy, especially, you know, like something like Red Dwarf, no problem. I can watch that, but uh, <laughs> I, I do find that an inter- interesting. Um, my other podcast, uh, one of my, I, I do one for the Twilight Zone, and I do one for sci-fi movies. That's why I just did Snowpiercer. So yeah, that's that's kind of my thing. I'm, I'm a pretty ardent Trekkie, so. Um, one of the things I tend to do with this podcast, and with that one is, you know, I want to talk to like. I want to have a place where like everyone can have a chat with each other, you know, because that's important because it's like, oh, you have the certain view, you have the certain view. And it's like we can't I can't even like communicate with you, which that, you know, living outside of America for quite a while, I think has helped where I don't tend to think too much that way. So, uh, you know, and I can sit here for my my room and and talk to just about anybody with with the power of Zoom. So that's kind of nice. I love it. Um, speaking of sci-fi, I watched Demolition Man just recently. Have you seen that one lately? It's pretty. It's pretty epic if you see, if you realize like all the different predictive things that they kind of predicted. Not lately, but it's definitely on the list. So it's one I so want to get to. There's social distancing. Arnold Schwarzenegger becomes like the gov- the governor or whatever the politics or the even the president I think. But he that's before he became uh, the gov- the governor of California. There's a lot of different things, um, AI and uh, social credit system. And like, uh, it's, it's pretty fascinating. It's a pretty good one if you like that kind of stuff. I've been getting into a lot of good movies recently. Network was, it was really something nice, but it's not a sci-fi. Um, of course, uh, Terry Gilliam. And, oh, yeah. So who's your favorite director? Oh, um, I, do like, I do like Terry Gilliam quite well. Um, I, I don't quite want to say Kubrick. I guess my traditional answer, I haven't seen his last three films, but uh, especially 10 years ago, I would have told you Wes Anderson. 
oh that's cool that's great yeah the artistic design i mean i've seen all all of last three you haven't seen his last three so did you see grand budapest hotel is that in there that's that's the last one i saw okay yeah that's a great one yeah and then what was after that either way yeah he's um something else and the the artistic um just the art direction there is something and yeah scorsese and the coen brothers you know there's some great stuff out there it seems like unfortunately movies aren't necessarily getting better (laughs) i mean out here out here at least we have like netflix and Bedbox, and it's just like flooded with not very good stuff but i guess there's something there's gotta be something in the in the midst there's a silver lining you know about good movies or good movies out there yeah um you know in japan like yeah as far as going out and seeing the movies it tends to be just like the big action blockbusters so um you know it's kind of the the what 10 episode tv format i i I watch very little tv other than you know my the star trek i get obsessed with um again i'm a pretty ardent trekkie um one i really enjoyed recently which i did not expect to is uh the the cobra kai tv series you know based from the karate kid and it's the the um johnny and and what's ralph masha daniel like you know 40 years later so Mm, that's cool you said trekkie like uh old school or like next generation oh all all the way through so um okay cool yeah i love i love next generation i mean i you're like one you're one year older than me and that's that's like a lot at that kind of uh evolution of star trek in my opinion you know what i mean there's like a couple like people that were just a couple years older than me that liked the older star trek but i grew up on next generation and loved it and was really into it and all the movies and all that sort of stuff so that's been like uh, that was a highlight for me. Actually, I watched Roseanne and and then Next Generation Star Trek like every night with my mom. That was like this like thing, um, you know, back when TV and no internet and all that sort of stuff before the changeover. But yeah, so um, in terms of documentaries, Franken Skies I think is is a must see because of um, I don't think there's anything that grounded of an approach to the weather engineering and chemtrails and stuff out there even though at the end it does leave a lot of questions and I hope that I can answer those in the sequel, Frankenskies 2. I know I'm genius, but it's called Frankenskies 2 Climate Chains, like shackles. And while we're recommending documentaries, um, I don't know if everyone out there has seen the movie Zeitgeist. Have you seen that one? I've heard the name bandied about a a bit, but I have not seen that one yet. So that's an interesting one worth throwing around. It's really conspiracy. It's developed, it's in three parts. But that kind of got me um, thinking about different things. And then also, um, as far as like government uh, conspiracies in 9-11, there's one called Loose Change about, um, about 9-11. And that's interesting as well. Oh, also a book based on a book that I really like this one, um, since we're talking about movies and whatnot. And it's just, it's hard nowadays, but if it can pique your interest and, you know, uh, make you think it's amazing. Have you seen Botany of Desire or read the book? No, that's uh, actually, I don't think I've heard of that. So do tell. Yeah, so it's in four parts and it talks about how humans um, impact plants, evolution, the evolution of plants. So it goes through potatoes and tulips and a few other plants in the history and how humans in them have interacted. And it's done quite well. It's based on a book, but it's ad- adaptation. And the documentaries, something else. I highly recommend heard- that one. 
I have heard something along the lines of uh, like flowers are quite a recent development. Uh, yeah, and and the story of the Dutch tulip and the story of the tulip is is something. It it really is. It's fascinating. And I've actually I went to film school and I have this like I've got a couple movies that I'm not super proud of, but I have this one script like a short story like 20 30 minute creative piece that I'd like to make and not just be like the conspiracy guy because I've got this um clothing line as well I line stuff with silver so it's actually big over there um have you ever heard of maternity aprons that are made of silver to protect um the yeah they we have things like um was it negative ion um like like air conditioners things like that it, it is a big thing for that out here um and, and actually I, I thought I'd go into that topic a little bit because I have some <laughs> I have some relatively first-hand experience with with I think with that sort of thing so um, not basically, I guess, I don't know, ra irradiating myself because um, I do have the bad habit of keeping my phone in my front left pocket in, in a case of its own. But I think it was about four years ago where I just developed a strange infection there and I had to go like three different doctors. And I, I think they just gave me a bunch of like saline and went away. But uh, I was like, that's probably because I'm keeping my phone there. So that was bad news. And this, this is worse. Um, just to put it out, I'm, I'm quite healthy at the moment but um about two years ago i actually had a couple tumors one was one was here one was like in front and one was in the back and it's right how you hold a phone to your head so oh, um wow. i only talk to people on speakerphone now <laughs> but uh wow, I'm like, good, good for you yeah and it, that do you think that it's from your phone i well again it's it the, where they were kind of corresponds with how you would hold i'm left-handed right so it corresponded mm -hmm. pretty much to where the phone would be to my head so i'm like i really wonder if that's i mean if maybe it wasn't the prime cause it, i'm gonna guess it had something to do with it so uh i mm -hmm. well there's know, been if, there's been studies and then one study that's very um uh hard to argue with is women that have uh, little tumors in their breast and it's shaped in a right angle, the shape of their phone, where their phone goes in their bra. So they'll have like four or five little tumors in a right angle where their phone is, like ding, 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 ding. So that's, that's hard to really argue that it's not the phone, in my opinion. But, um, you know, the, it's, it's easy to, to not want to hate your smartphone. People love their phones. So it's, it's something that I encourage people to just try to take a break from. And um, I'm, I've been reading a lot of Rudolf Steiner. He's a, a German um, author um, from like 1930s and whatnot. And he said that in this time that we're entering now, that we really need to focus on having 50-50, half and half, 50%. If, I know, and some people like people in Tokyo, you bet your friend in Tokyo would be like, what, really? Half of your time, try to make it not with technology you know, not with your phone, you know, um, not with your Wi-Fi or anything like that. So half your time in um, a natural world, just meditating or reading a book or whatever, jogging, whatever you can do. We need to find that balance because there's a pervasiveness and a pushing towards technology even more and more and more recently. And, and I'm glad that you have that awareness that you're not holding it to your head anymore. And I'm glad God bless I don't know. What did you got? Do you got them removed? You got those removed? 
uh, I had to get full on chemotherapy to get rid of those. So, and, and it was wow. a thing because I'm like, man, I already know putting, I really don't want to be putting on these chemicals in my body. But, you know, it's like people around you, there's, there's only so much of a choice. But actually, and um, there were things that I noticed that were very nice in Japan. Uh, the American medical system very much has the rituals. You show up, you put on a gown, you, uh, they push you around in a wheelchair, even though you're, you're fine to walk, things like that. Where um, while I was hanging out in my cancer ward, I was just wearing like, you know, like my regular slacks and a, you know, Beach Boys T-shirt and stuff like that. Actually, I had to wear a Beach Boys shirt for like three days in a row because I had a drip in my arm. But <laughs> uh, so, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I did come through fine. You know, in this case, like I actually saw my doctor every day, which I understand in America is not something very common. So, um I didn't really didn't want to pump all the chemicals in, but there weren't, unfortunately, there weren't really other options available. And, you know, and, uh, unfortunately the people that were in charge, you know, even if it, maybe there is a better way, but at least I was, you know, going through the system with like, you know, pretty, pretty good people. So that was nice. Uh, other than the, but yeah, you're, was it, I don't remember specific ones, but there's one that they call the red devil because it just, it's super, crazy toxic and you know <laughs> and it's only been the past month like uh yeah you know your hair comes back it's kind of curly for a while so um you know th things i have done to try and achieve that 50 50 percent um some of it's cheating because i'll be listening to a podcast as i'm walking around but i i actually have built in about two my commute is much longer than it should be because i do an awful lot of walking <laughs> you know i'm in the mountains there's rice fields it's a nice place to walk that's why i'm keeping my eye on the sky also because it's it's always right there <laughs> and airplane mode airplane mode is your friend you know like you know about airplane mode on your phone oh, yeah yeah right? when, when unless i'm actively using bluetooth or wi-fi it's always off now <laughs> awesome and i recommend maybe not doing bluetooth try to get the cord if you can because that's like microwave oh, oh the only time i use bluetooth is when i'm on the train and i want to use my ipad pad which doesn't have any connection so i'll connect it to my um phone but i probably do that once like once every two months so my bluetooth right is almost never on I, I don't use headphones with bluetooth i, I you know I, I made sure to get the last i have an upgrade from the iphone that still has a headphone jack and i'm in rice fields i don't even have headphones on i'm just playing it in the open air usually nice and then for people listening that live in the city um it's important to know about grounding you can even get grounding mats but um, learning about um, the concept of, of grounding or it's called earthing, we get a buildup. We're electrical beings. You know, we're beings of frequency. And our best tuned body with all of our organs tuned perfectly is to a frequency that is called the Schumann resonance, which is 7.8 hertz, about eight cycles per second. You know, and when we're allowed around um, Wi-Fi, or 5G or 4G or anything like that, or even LED lights that flash on and off so fast that we can't see that they're off, but that's how they're energy efficient. LED lights are flickering on and off really fast. That dismantles and offsets our nervous system and stuff like that. And we have dirty electricity that gets built up in our bodies because we have rubber shoes on and we don't have the electricity going into the earth. So it's important to learn about earthing or grounding, or maybe you know the word in Japanese for it, or maybe there's even like a whole thing in Japanese about it. I bet there is um, where, you know, you just put your feet in the grass. That's it, you know, or in a stream or on the earth. And 
you get balanced and you get um, back to the frequency of the earth and you shed that dirty electricity um, and you get back the negative ions, the, the, good, the good energy, but that dirty electricity, you can measure it. And it's bouncing around in our bodies because we pick it up from the power lines and our phones and all that sort of stuff. And if you can, and it, and if you can just get in the um, rhythm of doing it daily or weekly or whatever you want to try to learn about or even find a podcast on or a book or whatever earthing or grounding or I'm sure there's a whole thing like I said in Japanese about it and then once you do that you reduce inflammation in your body and reduce inflammation in your body and then you can um, the, the rest is a happy healthy life once you start to reduce inflammation in your body it's very important yeah I think there's a, a forest therapy thing that has some popularity in, in mm-hmm. Japan for that so um mm-hmm. Having not tried it myself, again, I'm I'm trying mostly to throw my personal experiences at you because, well, that no one can tell me that didn't happen, right? Um, mm-hmm. uh, again, on my speakerphone, I was talking to to a friend of mine and um walking along the street, and I, I don't remember why I w- really wanted to stop at a certain place, and then I just started to like feel terrible, right? And I looked, and on one side of the street's a uh, you know a solar power farm, on the other side of the street's a transformer station, like you know what, maybe standing here is the re and then I kind of, you know, walked away and then I felt like a little better. And then as an experiment, I went back in and I was like, yeah, there seems to be something like not cool in this little spot between the, you know, the solar power station and the transformer, which I mean, I, that's not a big thing, but, and again, sometimes I, one of the reasons I turn my Wi-Fi off is sometimes I feel a little bit antsy when it's on, you know? Yeah. And maybe you're the canary in the coal mine. Um, and maybe you're slightly EMF sensitive, um, or, but maybe that's like a, a blessing in disguise so that you don't expose yourself to too much of it because obviously you're sensitive if you're getting a sore in your pocket and whatnot. I mean, I'm, I'm wearing my silver runner pants that I made. I'm really excited about these. Um, and I also have ethernet and all that. I don't do wireless radiation at all because my personal experience is that I started suffering heart palpitations from a smart meter. We have these smart meters in North America. I don't know if you guys have these, but they're attached to your home and they'll emit a radio signal, like a microwave signal that can go to a cell tower 30 miles away. And some of them are designed to emit the signal telling how much electrical utility usage your electricity is using. And they'll emit it every like seven seconds. And every seven seconds, it's like a heart palpitation for me. I, I started becoming sensitive to it because it was on the other side of the wall from where I slept. Not everyone has it right next to them. It's different everywhere. Um, what you said about the, the solar and all of the different, um, the transmitter and the, um, all of the different dirty electricity there, that's really important if you live right next to something like that. It can lead to like childhood leukemia or leukemia. You know, these things are impactful and so many of these environmental toxins they are invisible and because we cannot see them we don't understand them like if we could see the radiation coming off of our phone and you could see that if you just go like 30 feet away it doesn't impact you you know because it's like light but it dissipates very quickly the light coming off of your phone that is the radiation that absorbs into you or your child or whatever it is but we can't see it the light coming off that cell tower, you know, or the um, dirty electricity coming off of whatever it may be. We can't see it. The radiation coming off the Wi-Fi router, it's like light as well, but we just can't see the light. It's all based on the curvature of our eyes, really, how big our eyes are. 
if our eyes were a little bigger in curvature, we could see the infrared or ultraviolet. We just see red, orange, yellow, blue, indigo, violet, Roy G. Biv, they call it, right? But that's just based on the curvature of our eyes. And because we can't see ultraviolet, because we, can, we cannot see infrared, we don't really understand it. You know, we don't even get that it's all around us, this color spectrum that we don't get. There's colors that we don't see. So there's also other light that's like radiation that impacts us, that absorbs into us slowly but surely. We have to slowly understand it if we're going to be around it more and more, you know, especially with our children being around it more and more. And we're handing them iPads and we don't understand that at least it should be turned off at night. You know, we have to learn about balance and, and honor the children in it. You know, I mean, this show is, was started off about uh, Frankenstein's in my movie, but learning about one thing puts you on this frequency of truth, you know, and these other truths are there and you can't just deny it. You know, if, if you have um, this gut discernment that you shouldn't have that phone next to your head, especially after taking all that chemo and stuff, you're not going to do it again because it would be an insult to your soul, Right. You know, and p other people have similar situations that once they learn something, then it's like, okay, well, maybe I won't have that Wi-Fi router next to the baby's bed, you know what I mean? Or whatever. You start to learn little things and then you have a happy, healthy baby and stuff like that. It's little things that lead to like bigger um, things, bigger epiphanies and, and, and bigger knowledge and bigger growths. And all that stuff is two a lucky number in Japan because today is Tuesday here and it's two twenty two two thousand twenty two. Yeah, I um I got off the train last night at exactly you know military time twenty two twenty two and made sure to take the little <laughs> snap. Nice. Actually, let me grab my phone really quick. Ironically, I want to see if I still have um two. What is what is four is the unlucky number uh, in Japan. <laughs> Mm. I'm sitting here trying to think what is the lucky um, for because uh, for it's um, Ishni san she she is death so a lot of uh, times they'll say yon instead like another word for four so I had a, a three-year-old student yesterday counting the people in the classroom um, you know each the son and then points to me and says she and every the other two kids are like ah and then oh yon 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 so that, that's the unlucky one yeah uh, I'm trying to see uh, talk about my friend Tokyo. He sends me some photos. He, he works in Shinjuku, you know, like one of the central places in Tokyo. And mm -hmm. they had been putting up these towers. And he shot oh, me. Yeah. He, sent, he sent me 5G. some photos. Yeah, yeah, the new 5G. Uh, these weird little kiosks of things. Uh, At ground level. At ground level, like just all mm. over the street. So. Wow. I won't download probably because I have my stuff turned off. But yeah, yeah, it's these kiosks, which, you know, have like very Orwellian looking signs on them and, you know, with social distance signs and stuff. And uh, which honestly, in Japan, a lot of that, except on the trains, people did that anyway. You kind of keep your personal space anyway in Japan. Um, you know, I'm still they, they want us to mask up at work. But the fact is, in Japan, if you're it's kind of annoying when you're not sick, but when you are sick, you were already expected to wear a mask the whole time. So mm -hmm. <laughs> like, I was just yeah. talking about that with a buddy that in, even in South America um, in Latin, in Latin American countries and also in Asian countries, um, it was just um, 
kind nature and common practice, if you're sick, you wear the mask. But not if you're not sick. You know, that, that whole idea is, is totally backwards, in my opinion. So that's, um, I lost my, I think that it's very fascinating. Oh, yeah, the, in Asia, the, the differences um, in the culture. So the 5G infrastructure, it's, they hide it in different ways in different countries. And it's more accepted by different cultures because more cultures, especially like Korea, maybe Japan, they're more like tech uh, savvy, uh, more tech uh, generation, especially the next generation, the youth are more tech um, oriented, let's just say. I've noticed, I think at least, especially in the major cities. And this 5G is very fascinating. It, um, I don't think it's very safe, but it, it definitely does not... Um, honor privacy does not honor privacy and the reason that they need to have these stations at ground level is because the signal does not go very far it's a very strong signal that absorbs into everything that it hits so they have to have repeaters on every single block you know like every 500 feet to have the real 5g um, millimeter kind of carrier wave it's measured in millimeters the carrier wave is measured in millimeters so it can oscillate and like it'll be between one and four millimeters, okay? And that's how big the wave is. Right now, the carrier waves for 4G are much larger and for Wi-Fi, it's much larger. It's measured in um, centimeters, not millimeters. So to get so much information, so many oscillations, like 60 megahertz, to get so many oscillations per second to carry so much data, it has to be a very small carrier wave that cannot very travel very far at all it absorbs into everything it hits every tree every person every building people it absorbs into them so they have to have the phones repeating the signal becoming little cell towers they have to have those repeater boxes over here they have trees disguised as cell towers and all these different things but it's most easily rolled out in like dense cities so i think more dense cities are going to see it at first and i would think that over time we're going to see um health impacts and maybe um, not very many, um, much. I think fertility could go down for men and women, for um, sperm and women's ability, because these very small millimeter carrier waves, they impact um, reproductive organs because they're really small too, basically, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, you know, my thing I, I here is like to have you say your piece and not be a devil's advocate. But I, since I was talking to my co-worker co-host last night and he was just i was pointing out well gee it's like we all live in our own little 5g environments at home now anyway <laughs> i mean maybe some of us don't but but his point was you know he's, he's a gamer so he's got the wi-fi ready to twitch stream and all that and I, I, a lot of us have i guess there is the maybe when you're walking down the street it's nice to get out of the situation but uh, and if you're just always surrounded that's pretty not great well the tech right now is different than what unraveling so the 4g and the wi-fi and all this so imagine um being able to see well it's, it's hard to really um explain because you can't see it but it's a it's a wave so okay so light waves that we see they're measured in nanometers and based on the size of the carrier wave it's a different color for us and an orange light wave, it's a little bigger, it's red, it's a little bigger, it's infrared, and we can't even see it. And those are tending to be harmless, the bigger waves. The blue waves of light, like if it's smaller 
carry if it's a smaller wave than blue it's ultraviolet and we can't see that and that absorbs in our skin it can absorb and cause cancer and just the difference in size um, of the carrier wave based on whether it impacts us a lot or a little right it, it, it it's based on the size of the wave so right now um, wi-fi is like 30 centimeters the carrier wave and that's big and these carrier waves can go through brick and go through us like okay like let's just back up for just a little educational purposes we have am radio waves fm radio waves am radio waves are 100 feet i'm just going to talk in not metric sorry so an am radio wave is so big at 100 feet that it it's it's peak as it's going like a wave like in the ocean like these waves it's 100 feet tall and it goes through people and trees and buildings and it doesn't absorb into them when it hits them because they're really big it's really big and if we could see it it would be like this light that travels really far and you can carry information on it like am radio stations right and we can tune in our am radio anywhere but we're not going to get cancer from that am radio wave but we're in we're all in so so i'm going back to your your co-host metaphor we're all around the am radio waves all the time but they don't impact us because they're 100 feet tall. We're not 100 feet tall. Doesn't matter. We're not in that spectrum, basically. So FM radio waves are 10 feet tall. We're not 10 feet tall. It doesn't impact us. We can tune in FM, all these different FM channels. We can tune in. It's all that information going through us all the time. We're in a soup of it. We're also in a soup of Roy G. Biv, light from the sun. It doesn't impact us that much unless you get too much of the UV, way too much of it, and it absorbs and you get some burn skin cancer, all that sort of stuff. Different light, different size matters. The size of the light matters. So all the way down from FM to 3G to 4G to here we are with like Wi-Fi and 4G and, wi and Bluetooth and all that sort of stuff. It's still utilizing carrier waves that are rather large compared to 5G. When we start immersing ourselves in 5G, it makes it so that um, children that are conceived born and raised in this 5g environment may not be able to conceive when they're adults um, watching the movie handmaid's tale handmaiden's tale it's or, or children of men is also another dystopian movie where this actually comes true the one millimeter size carrier wave the width of a penny is one and a half millimeters so when you're developing as a, a fetus in your mo mommy's tummy right and you're a boy or a girl, as you're developing, if you're being bombarded by a one millimeter carrier wave that absorbs into you, when you're a little fetus and you're getting bigger and bigger, when you're developing your reproductive organs and they're one millimeter in size and they're being impacted by that one millimeter carrier wave, it's highly likely that that, that person might be born and, and come into the world with, without the ability to procreate, meaning their sperm cell count is zero. They don't have eggs as a woman. And it's just like, unfortunately, according to the research, this is what I'm learning, right? And it's not the same as what we're going through right now. Like right now, it doesn't impact us as much based on the size of the carrier wave. It's hard to explain. Um, it's easier to look at like a picture of the electromagnetic spectrum. It has pictures of the like people and buildings and bees, and it shows like how the size of X-rays versus gamma rays versus um, the little bit of our light spectrum that we can see and what the difference between non-ionizing and ionizing radiation. It was fascinating when I went to Asia to research my clothing line, 
because I was coming over there asking people about EMF radiation, EMF, right? And um, the difference between, you know, radiation and non, non-ionizing radiation and radiation. But in Asia, from what I've gathered, it's just called radiation. Radiation is radiation. And like Sounds radiation, right. <laughs> radiation off the phone, radiation off of a nuclear power plant, it's just radiation. But over in the, where I, in the West, they call it EMF. And it gives it this like fancy term. And they differentiate between radiation that you can feel and radiation that you cannot feel. Heating your body and not heating your body. So if it heats you and you can feel it, it's called ionizing. And if it doesn't heat you and you can't feel it, but it's still accumulating in your body, which would be the, what happens here, maybe how you got tumors, can't feel it, or the thing in your leg, you can't feel it, but it slowly accumulates over time, right? I liken it to a, a tuna slowly eating little organisms and slowly building um, uh, heavy metal or mercury. It's because it's high on the food chain. It's bioaccumulating the small metals from the small fish over time. But that small fish, they don't eat all those little things in the food chain. They don't have all that, you know, bioaccumulated heavy metals in it. You know, why, why people don't eat tuna? It, it's, why, it's the same. You can apply that metaphor as to like how we accumulate radiation in our body slowly, but we can't feel it. It's called ionizing radiation. In the West, we differentiate. In the East, they don't, don't differentiate as much. And I think that that's healthy and maybe not so healthy at the same time. But I think if we could just see it, we would wrap our heads around it. But um, yeah, it's important to play devil's advocate and to think about all of this stuff. Um, I think we're going into uncharted territory, especially with the children. We weren't born, you know, think about what we were born into. We weren't, we weren't born into any of this. We're the last people that remember not having an internet. Mm -hmm, Exactly. (laughs) Maybe that's hard to remember, isn't it? Um, So um, we went out and played and caught, um, oh, did you have Firefly? Oh yeah. Georgia. Sure. (laughs) Nice. nice. Do you have them there? Yes. Oh, oh, uh, what's Hotaru? I'm trying to remember the name. But yeah, it's it's actually a pretty big thing. If you watch some animes, you'll often see like little firefly scene. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Partly because they're trying to show off their animation skills, and also because yeah, it's a, a thing in Japan. <laughs> mm. Oh, one of my favorite movies is Spirited Away and um, Princess Mononoke and all of those. Um, uh, Ghibli. Ghibli. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's funny. One of my friends when I first came to Japan is like, "Do you think you might be able to find some Totoro stuff?" I'm like. Uh, they have entire stores for that here. <laughs> so, like, what do you want <laughs> is more of the question. Um, especially once you said wrap around your head. I, I was here for the uh, 2011 quake and um, Fukushima. Uh, I was about 200 miles away, I guess. No, maybe it's 200 kilometers, 150 miles, something like that. Anyway, um, we did get a few days off work, but when the power plant went, I was leaving work and my my boss is like, here's a towel, wrap it around your head on the way home. So that was kind of weird. A wet towel. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, like, to absorb, absorb the radiation. Keep it from yeah, there. yeah. And so that's one of my most dystopian feeling moments ever. So again, you know, between uh, the radiation from, because we are downwind that particular day. So mm-hmm. who knows? I, I, good I have a kid already, I guess. <laughs> wow, yeah. Yeah, but... um. I guess we do need to wind down and, and park because I got to shower and go to work. But <laughs> mm-hmm. um, we, of course, you've, you've mentioned your movie, which actually I think, did I just watch it on YouTube? <laughs> uh, it got pulled from YouTube, but it's, if you go to frankenskies.com or frankenskiesthemovie.com, I've got both of those now. 
it directs you to the Vimeo. It's also okay. on BitChute Bit and other platforms, but unfortunately, it's been taken down from YouTube just recently. Okay, because I felt like I just watched it on YouTube, which is almost surprising at this point. But uh, <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah, I'm, it I'm, was I'm there. Actually, it was there. I'm, I'm just kind of double checking, but uh, yeah, it might maybe somebody put it back. Which oh, there's I, other people. Other people yeah. Okay, I watched. There's, oh, Zim there's Garcia. I'm Zim Garcia at, has a one that that comes up in the search. Yeah, I'm looking at the uh, view numbers, and yeah, the the one I watched just has a few, so I guess someone just put it up. <laughs> yeah, people share it. It's funny. I put in, I tried to type in geoengineering documentary in YouTube, and and the movie Geostorm came up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, okay, sure, YouTube, thank you very much. Yeah, but no, wow. I couldn't even find mine when I looked before, so I've kind of given up on that platform, unfortunately. I've got a really amazing source in China um, that makes this. It's the best EMF clothing in the West, as far as I know. I've, I think it's the best EMF clothing in the world. Um, there's reasons behind it, but the one big obstacle was it, it's not very breathable as a, like a hoodie or a shirt, um, but we have a fusion process where we have a cotton polyester blend and the silver, and we, we, blend, we fuse them together so it's a breathable material. When I first started making a, with it with a cotton shirt and then the silver material and having two layers, not breathable. It hardly works. It's too hot. But this new technology that we have is amazing. We, we have um, hoodies and the best texting gloves in the world. I'll call them the best EMF texting gloves in the world. And they're antiviral, antimicrobial because of silver um, anti-radiation. You can text. They're amazing. Um, we have hats and baby blankets and maternity stuff. Uh, maternity aprons. I hear it's really popular over there, the maternity out stuff, maternity wear for pregnancy. Um, we use all silver. I hear over there also steel is used to make steel maternity wear. I don't know how popular it is in Japan, but I hear Korea, Japan, and China is what I witnessed from my research. But yes, yeah, Spiro, it's a Latin word. S-P-E-R-O is my brand. So SpiroProtectionClothing.com and I hope that you can check us out. Yeah, it's, it's amazing because I do sell in Hong Kong and Japan, Tokyo. I sell my product. I get it made in China. I get it shipped to me in the United States. And I sell it right back to Hong Kong and at a good price. And I have blankets. And um, I'm making everything affordable. And the, I, I call myself the best in the world because I strive to be that. So I'm very competitive with it all like trying to come out with style and my goal is to come out with a nice clothing um children's clothing line for the children for like teens and especially youth not something cheesy but something that they'll actually wear and that's my goal with that so if you want to give us some love on instagram it's sparrow which is a latin word for hope s-p-e-r-o gear spiro gear on instagram also spirogear.com will take you to the website and frankenskies.com, like I said. And then I have another website, Actual Activists. Actualactivists.com is a bunch of different um, truths and health. And there's a daily blog and stuff on there. It's a lot of information on one website. So if you're stuck on the train or something, looking for something to do, or if you just want to look at the one little daily truth of the day because you're um, on the bus or on the toilet or something, it's, it's a great website. I, I I hope that you can check it out. That's like really my baby. And on there, you can find Frankenskies and my other projects and, and what have you. And if you're on Facebook, I'm on there, Matt Landman. 
I have um, like almost 60,000 followers and I do get censored, but I'm still alive and, and well on there and other platforms I'm there too. And if you want to communicate or ask me questions about Franken Skies, I'm also happy to um, send people DVDs. I like having DVDs in people's living rooms, physical things. It's very important to, in this in this world to have physical things, to, um, especially books. I've been buying a lot of books recently. That's a whole nother story. Um, and yeah, please reach out to me, um, frankenskies at gmail.com. I reply to everyone. And um, thanks for even just thinking about the difference of the clouds and chemtrails and maybe watching my movie or watching the beginning of it because it's important to think outside the box. And we don't have to, it doesn't have to be like a crazy conspiracy or, or anything like that. It's just questioning the official narrative and knowing that everything has two sides and even the official narrative has two sides. So it's important to see, you know, what's being hidden and whatnot. And it's a, it's a good expose. And I think it's grounded and, and very like balanced. I've seen all sorts of documentaries that are really out there. And this one I can show my grandmother and show my coworker. And I think that you can too. So don't be afraid to watch it and share it with your friends. Thank you so much. Two, two quick things. Um, I do most of my reading on a Kindle now, or, or actually on an iPad using the Kindle app. But um, just in case the world does fall apart, I have like a bunch of printed, like I printed from the internet books because it's hard to buy actual books in nice. Japan, even Amazon, nice. the shipping's wild. So mm -hmm. I'm prepared if, if the grid goes out, at least I'll have something to read. Unless my glasses break Twilight Zone style, except I don't wear glasses. <laughs> yeah, I've been buying all sorts of um, interesting books that I, I haven't dug my teeth or heart or eyes or soul into quite yet in case, you know, we have an EMP or something like that. I'll be excited to, I've got like a whole bunch of Wilhelm Reich and Rudolf Steiner and Buckminster Fuller and um, narratives and, you know, um, Fahrenheit 451 and, you know, all sorts of interesting stuff about herbs and um, I've gotten really out there. I encourage people to buy physical books because during the first lockdown, what I witnessed was the children had no um, access to information, like the bookstores and libraries and everything. And all they really had was like Amazon. But if you don't have a, if you're a child and you don't have any reference point, how can you look up anything when your channels of information have been limited to just like, what can you look up on Amazon and buy? It doesn't, it doesn't compute. And we need to honor the children by having a little library for all of them. So even like kid books and stuff, I've been getting those as well. So yeah, a couple weird things is um I we have not had a full lockdown in Japan. I've uh, the only time I stopped going to work was when I had to go to the hospital for the aforementioned uh, chemo. My daughter um never took an online lesson. Uh, she didn't go to school for a month, but uh, <laughs> uh now it does happen. Um the the you know things spiked in late. January, I think, and they've got us teaching like half of our lessons online again. What sometimes is funny, it's really weird. I'll have two kids in the room because their their parents don't have good tech or whatever, or they don't want to do it that way. And then I'll have like a couple kids like on the iPad. So it's a bit of a teaching challenge. But honestly, I'm like, well, I'm, I'm glad the couple kids are in the room, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, and, and just the last thought of, for what you said was uh, for the maternity stuff, they do it very differently here. There's things done better in Japan, things done worse. But um, for women giving birth, um, they don't just I mean, they have like special hospitals for that. They're not necessarily giving birth in the hospital with all the sick people and they stay there for like a week. 
Um, my, my wife is Japanese and we were living in Atlanta when my daughter was born. And I I think my wife was traumatized by the American (laughs) birth process or just shocked by it and shocked about how fast they got her out the door. So in the hospital everything's, food everything's a business over here it's it's really insulting honestly even healthcare is a business and and a business wants you to come back and there's all these layers to it all but i i definitely deeply uh respect and regard the um asian in general especially the japanese but asian culture and in, in, overall for the respect for elders and healthcare and a lot of things like that. Yeah. Like when I was in the hospital, the food did get boring. It is institutional food, but it was relatively healthy stuff. And it, it was, it, it wasn't bad. It was certainly perfectly edible. You know, it's more like I'm, I'm partly I'm a picky eater, but uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And my wife was like, they just brought me like a hamburger at the American hospital. So she was kind of shocked. Um, mm-hmm. Just real quickly, this this podcast is Oral Hygiene. It's Oral Hygiene Pod on Twitter. You can find us on Facebook. Um, on Patreon, we're under Podcastio Podcastius, where we make lots of podcasts, including ones about sci-fi films, The Twilight Zone, Pokemon, and Monster Hunter if you're a gamer. that That's my, my podcasting partner, not me. I'm not so much of a gamer, but... <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, Matt, thanks for coming on today. Again, like, you know, we're not like a conspiracy podcast, but when I, when I first brought it up, I was like, should, should I do chemtrails? And it was like, well, it's not the most controversial thing right now. So it was a few years ago, but uh, <laughs> maybe now's the time to actually kind of sit and have a conversation about that, like, you know, anyone can listen to and, and the movie that people, anyone can watch without feeling like they've, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm weird. I'll go down real deep rabbit holes, but. I want to have conversations that, you know, everyone can learn something from. So thank you for that. Yeah, you're very welcome. And maybe I should say, like, um, to not leave people hanging too much, the end goal is to be able to have a narrative where if the weather's engineered and these weather events can be reoccurring, then it's this Hegelian dialectic where they can have this problem, have people react in fear, and then offer them the solution. You know, it seems diabolical, but unfortunately, it's, it's, it's kind of what's going on. So when you can wrap your head around like the control of the weather and the weather being manipulated, a lot of questions do come up, like the who, why, what, where, when. But to understand that it's, they, want, they have an end goal and it's just it's manipulation of the minds of the, of the public is really what it is. I don't know. It's, it's, it's hard. We could do lots of shows about it. Maybe one day you'll have me back on. And if people have any questions, please reach out to me. Um, it's, it's a really dense subject. Maybe just watch Franken's guys and then go from there. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Okay. Cheers. Plutonium. Neptunium. Zeronium. Curium. Promethium. Cold fusion, uranium, thorium, radium, polonium, beryllium, cold fusion. Did you advance the film strip? Are you on the final page? Well done.
magnesium, tellurium, technetium, niobium, yttrium, cold fusion. Yeah.